0: Welcome everybody to episode two of Mandatory Marvel and DC, the show that takes a look back at the very biggest and best storylines from the big two of comics. I'm your host, Max Byrne, and I hope you'll continue to join me each and every week as we cover these classic moments that have stood the test of time and crossed over into popular culture. Now, for episode two, I'd like to welcome back the man that needs little introduction, the co-creator of the Comics in Motion network, the wonderful Dave Horrocks. Dave, thanks so much for coming back. How would the devil are you today?
1: Not too bad, sir. And uh, yeah, wonderful. I've I've certainly been called worse, so I appreciate those kind <laughs> words. Yeah, again, no, it's really it's really great to be back. And you know, going through and listening back to that episode last week, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And not to repeat myself, but so excited for this series. You know, and especially for me because I, you know, yeah, put my cards on the table. I'm a bit more of a Marvel guy, but my first love was DC, um, yeah. and and so I' looking forward to using this as kind of a vehicle. So even when we're not speaking, when you have got other guests on and stuff, using it to say right, okay, this will force me to go off and and read those. So yeah, absolutely delighted to be back again this week.
0: Oh, fantastic! Well, I'm delighted to have you back. So uh, that's great to hear. Now. So this week, I've uh, allowed you, as it were, as the guest to pick the subject matter. So do you want to tell everyone what we're going to be talking about this week?
1: So we are going to review the 1996 DC book, Kingdom Come. Now, Max, can you tell me a little bit about this book? Yeah, sure.
0: Well, Kingdom Come was a four-issue miniseries published, as you say, in 1996. Now, When people think of four issues, they don't think of of, a very weighty book, but they're four extended issues, prestige format. So rather than the normal 20-odd pages per issue, they were a much bigger uh, size issue, so you get more bang for your book. So although it's a four-issue book, four-issue run, the size of it is equivalent to something a lot bigger than that. So you definitely more there than one would think with a description of four issues. Um, Written by Mark Wade and alex ross with the artwork which we're going to probably talk at length about later by the wonderful alex ross as well now this was a, an elseworld story so it's outside of the main dc comics continuity it's not beholden to anything that was going on at the time back in 1996 it was its own story set very much in the future uh, we'll cover that in greater detail shortly um so it's very much its own thing and and separate. It stands alone. You don't have to have read anything prior to it. It's its own story set apart um, and probably, in my opinion at least, one of the very, very best DC books that there's ever been. Um, so before we start with a bit more detail about it, I'd like to ask you first, Dave, um, what were your initial first thoughts on uh, on reading this for the first time?
1: Well, I, I've not avoided this book, but certainly in the 90s, you know, that was a big black spot for me. You know, I was far too <laughs> yeah. busy doing other stuff around that time. Yeah. Um, first thing is, it. I mean, it, this is not what I associate with 90s comics. You know, I kind of have mm. that. I mean, I know he gets beaten up, and he probably gets a bit more stick than even he deserves. But I, I just think of like Rob Liefeld. You know, yeah. I think of massive disproportionate. Captain America and ridiculous feet and you know too many large guns and all that kind of thing, and the anti heroes and actually, I do think this this has gone in that kind of thing has gone in to influence this story, but it just looks so beautiful now. Mm. When I got back into comics, I mean, I, I had started for a while. I was buying stuff in from uh, Dynamic Forces, so I'd get, I'd look always look at kind of what they've got on offer and stuff. And this was their hardback version. For this was one of those things that came up, but yeah. it sort of sat on my shelf for a little bit of time, and then I needed to raise a bit of capital, so I was selling <laughs> some stuff off, and yeah. uh, I ballsed it up on eBay. So I somehow. Managed to start the bid, start the bidding at a penny or something, and oh. put international shipping as nothing as free, <laughs> and so someone someone from the US bought it, you know, for about two quid or something with free oh. shipping, oh, and I was no. like, oh, I was tra- I was trying to like make sure i kept my ratings up and everything so i, I yeah i could have just said no sorry I, i've made a mistake there but in the end i, I ended up sending it off so even though I'm, i've known this is a fantastic story and i need to read it it sort of guts me just thinking about that so it's like <laughs> it's been a bit of a mental barrier so when you were asking about it it's like no let's let's get into this one and and again, massively. Uh, or pleasantly surprised about how it all stands up, because I, I think you know, just seeing the cover artwork from Alex Ross, yeah. you see it everywhere, don't you? It's, it's yeah. so iconic now. But the fact that it's all throughout the book, um, it's just it's just a beautiful thing to look at.
0: Oh, absolutely! It is an absolute visual feast. Every page is just got so much going on there, and it's just you can't get enough of it every time you read it you'll find something else you've not seen before and um, it's not basic stuff there's so much depth to it Um he is a well we'll talk about him in a bit but he is an absolute superstar artist there's no two ways about it now i know from speaking to you before um we recorded this you'd previously read the uh, book marvels am i right yep. uh, I yeah trust that's it, right the artwork for and there's some similarities between the two it's not Um, the Marvel one isn't an Elseworlds story. It's set very much within the Marvel continuity and runs the gamut of the Marvel timeline. But there are some little similarities where you've got like a a normal man, a human narrator, if you will, taking you through the story. I suppose the only slight difference is with this, with Marvel's, the the main character there, you saw everything through the prism of of his eyes. It wasn't like it would suddenly cut to Avengers HQ where they're talking about something. It would literally, they would sort of, come in and out of his life all the main hitters of the Marvel Universe whereas this story although you've got a man who takes you through the story it's not all exclusively through his eyes but um, certainly from a visual point of view obviously it's going to be with the same artist looks exactly the same Um, so before we sort of dive into Kingdom Come um, how often or how more recent have you read Marvels and was it one you'd enjoyed
1: Oh, I love Marvels. Um, yeah. I mean, I probably haven't read it in a couple of years, uh, but it yeah. is one that I go back to quite often. And I think there's there's a lot there's a lot of symmetry with this. I mean, I think mm. I, I texted and said, "Oh, it reminds me quite a lot of Marvels," but that was more yeah. in the in the first issue, like first half of the first issue. I, I do have to yeah. say, when you when you said to me, "Oh, it's only four issues," I thought, right, I'll blast this in one evening, and then I was like, yeah. Oh crikey! This <laughs> I'm just <laughs> reading really slow. Oh, what wow. this seems to be going yeah. on for ages. But oh, yeah. no, it's when you know through the uh, through the initial chap who had the visions, and then is uh, it McKay as well? You know, yep. Having seeing all these uh, fantastical events, but I mean, with Marvels, it 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 looks at the past. You know, it's it, it sort of set in today, but it's going through all those events and kind of recounting yeah. what happened in the in the, ver- the in the various issues in the Marvel mm. universe. Whereas this goes completely the opposite way, and it's it's far off into the future. So it, yeah. it it felt really like Marvels, and and definitely more more so than anything, it's the artwork. But like you say, it, it's having those uh, that view initially from yeah. that normal kind of person as well.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's quite an effective way of telling a story, I think. It's you know, it it grounds it a bit more, I think. Uh, but certainly this one, like you say, it's it's although there is that little bit there that's quite similar, it does take a different track. So just to quickly sum up then Kingdom Come, um obviously just the start of it where it where it begins. This is set ten years or so there or thereabouts in the future um so superman and the rest of the justice league have sort of abandoned their roles as superheroes and a new generation of heroes and i say heroes in inverted commas and have risen up to sort of take on their mantle but this newer generation don't share that same uh, moral compass if you will that the traditional heroes have they're very um, there's a fine line between the heroes and the villains in this sort of 10 years later time period. They don't have the same regard for humanity. And when they fight, they don't give a shit really about the collateral damage. It's a whole different world. So it's quite a dystopian future in a way, although it's the, the world itself isn't massively changed. You've got these, you know, heroic characters and villainous characters that are barely different fighting and, and, and People are getting killed as a result, so it's quite a, a sort of shocking opening really um, and obviously, you discover the the immediate reason why Superman had abandoned what he stood for, and that's quite a shocking bit of story there. So what do you think about that then? would you know is, do you think that's quite consistent with the character if such a thing had happened to him and the way public public opinion had sort of been swayed towards these newer heroes? Would do you think he would have sort of jumped ship and sort of gone to ground?
1: I I found it a stretch if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know I don't think for the story obviously he needs something needs to happen and he needs to bugger off for a while. <laughs> you know and we yeah, we meet yeah. him don't we on on uh, you know just tending his tractor and whatever and I do have mm. to say you know you talk about this dystopian future the artwork on it, I could almost swear that he's Alex Ross has reached into the future and watched a few versions, of, a few episodes of the walking dead because mm. he looks a dead ringer <laughs> for Rick. You know, when he's got the big gray beard and everything. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, I don't think he'd have given up to be honest quite that easily, but you know, it, what what I found interesting, I did find myself thinking back to like Batman versus Superman, you know, the, mm. the movie and mm-hmm. obviously yeah. the public opinion rallying up around, you know, against Superman really. And ultimately, yeah. you know, he's just, he's just a bloke. He's an alien bloke, obviously, but you know, if you'd think everyone's got a breaking point, if they're ultimately not wanted and, you know, Superman feels like, or kal he feels like he's, um, old-fashioned he's got his old-fashioned values and and ultimately the public wants you know these newer um kind of anti-heroes because they get they get the job done yeah or they appear to initially
0: yeah yeah i mean that's that's definitely true i I, I suppose the the extenuating circumstances he's kind of a broken man isn't he because of what happened lois was was killed and then Obviously, the Daily Planet was gassed, which they, when we did the um, Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, show, mm-hmm. they touched upon that, didn't they? They used that as the premise for Brandon Rouse's uh, reprisal of the, of the role in that. So that was yep. quite a neat little touch that they did, especially with the, the costume and everything like that. Um, so yeah, I suppose he it, sort of reached his, his rock bottom, hadn't he, and, and walked away from the life. But it just, I don't know, there was something about that start that didn't quite sit right that he he would have spent those literal 10 years not jumping into situations because although he would think people don't want me anymore and, you know, fuck this, there was still a bit of a part of him where he would see a situation going going awry or something terrible happening and would feel obliged to set in rather than literally cut himself off from the world. So it's a bit of a strange one that I find. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I tell is. you the the other thing that, that I find strange is when he's got his beard, I mean, how does yeah. he shave? I I don't know, <laughs> I
0: suppose. Yeah. They've done things like with that before where he sort of uses a mirror and, and his heat vision bounced off a mirror yeah. onto his onto his own face, like literally burning the burning the beard off his face. But, my God. Um and the ponytail's a good look as well.
1: Um, oh I suppose yeah! At,
0: yeah. At, at the time as well don't forget in those sort of mid-90s times superman did have the mullet of course oh yeah um, i remember that which, yeah which <laughs> I'd, i'm all in on that mullet i would love to see him uh, that make a comeback now i'd love to see him grow his hair out again
1: i uh, chris reminded me the other week of uh a phrase. What is it? Business at the front, party at the back. <laughs>
0: oh yes. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of party in the back in this one. There really. Yeah. Is. Um I, I'm. That's why I'm so gutted, and to this day, that the Nicolas Cage movie, Superman movie, got shelved because we would have seen him with the long hair, with the mullet. Um, I'm just. It's a shame that never happened. You know, I would have liked to have seen like Henry Cavill pop up with the mullet when he got brought back from the dead in Justice League or something like that
1: oh yeah i mean i mean that's actually dude, if we did if we'd have seen that in the cw you know mm. a superman with a with a bit of a mullet there oh that'd oh. Have been awesome <laughs> oh, well one day one day
0: one day we'll get our uh our fix <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that's where he's at and at the same point um the batman situation now he's not at a, a as sort of a, a lower ebb, but he, his situation has changed somewhat dramatically where he is his at some point in those sort of ensuing 10 years between the present and where this story starts, his, um, his true identity has been exposed to the to the public. So the man has been completely levelled, um, he's, but he's still downstairs sealed off in the cave fighting his war on crime with these sort of bat bots that are p- patrolling the city. And the man himself is completely broken. He's held together with basically an exosuit, exoskeleton, that's keeping his battered withered old body together, which, again, was done in the uh, CW crisis with Kevin Conroy's uh, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a striking image to see this knackered, broken man with the grey hair and barely keeping it together. Um, I really do like that depiction of him, though. Are you a fan of that or, or nay?
1: Uh, you know what, And because and cause I hadn't read this before we watched the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, I, yeah. I, I didn't get that sort of reference. But with the way that that, with the turn that that took, mm. I saw him with the old exoskeleton on there. I, th- yeah. I assumed he's going to walk a, a villainous path. Um, so it threw me a little bit that, you know, and again, it's only because I, I've read these things kind of out of order. Um, yeah. You know, so I was just waiting for him to uh, turn out to be the baddie, and and they've they've always got this kind of uh, interesting relationship, haven't they? You know, they they're ultimately mm. both trying to fight for good, um, mm-hmm. but you know, they've they've got quite different morals and and how they go about things. So, yeah, I, I thought again, it, it paints a, certainly this first issue. It, it paints a pretty bleak picture, really, doesn't it?
0: Yeah it does it, it pushes everything down to the to the to the lowest level to give you that reason for superman to go christ the world needs me again i'll come out of retirement and save the day and sweep up all these neer do wells and restore order to the world so i suppose it had to show just how shitty things had gone before you can have that rise again um, yeah so that's quite yeah it's quite quite well done um, so obviously from there, uh, Wonder Woman comes to pay him a visit. Now, Wonder Woman in this is, when you read the whole book, she is constantly spoiling for a fight. She's like this <laughs> yeah. uh, She is. Uh, the, the, uh, the merest excuse, all she wants to do is is get a sword out and start chopping people to bits. She's like this militant, bitter, um, just had enough of everyone kind of character, which is kind of weird because she's always been that sort of hope you know that beacon of hope so again it was mm-hmm. quite when you read it for the first time you're like wow so quite a, a different take on the character she's somehow been sort of booted out of a royal lineage for not fulfilling what she was supposed to do in terms of br- you know bringing hope to the world of man and things like that so it's quite a, a, a weird character she's like this very aggressive like, you know just wants to sort of fight the world character but i think she's good cause The the way she sort of she 's like the push in the back constantly throughout this book on the, in the back of Superman isn't she she 's constantly sort of pushing him and pushing him trying to get him to take that next step mm-hmm. um, so she's quite she 's quite an effective character in it. Do you like her in this or or do you think that's a bit too much
1: no I, I think it's interesting isn't it because again I, I do think a lot of this is written to be uh, anti a lot of the new anti-heroes yeah. that, that were coming along at the time, you know, who just yeah. get the job done in a, in a more brutal way than our traditional heroes ever have. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, I did jump out at me. I think she's missing half a skirt. <laughs> 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 the way she's um, drawn is, uh, you know, really quite revealing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is kind of, it gets kind of a high leg as they call it up the side there, but uh, you know, it,
1: very something much so. for every,
0: something for everyone in there i guess yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: but yeah i mean i think for wonder woman probably more so than anyone because you know batman yeah. doesn't kill clark obviously uh, uh, superman doesn't whereas you get the impression wonder woman you know she's she's almost aligned with the anti-heroes you know mm, yeah she she kind of has this allegiance to batman and superman but you know, you'd think, well, actually, we, you know, not spoiling when we get to the end, but, you know, she does sort of go go to where the anti heroes go to, doesn't she? So, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I haven't read enough Wonder Woman to know if the character's slightly off, but she is definitely like, right, come on, let's stop pissing about. We need to go and get, take care of business.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what you just said there is a really valid point, actually. She, although she's sort of the old school, the old guard, she's there with Superman and Green Lantern, Flash, Hawkman, they all sort of band together, don't they? But she, like you said, she's one step removed from the new generation in terms mm-hmm. of the sort of just just get in there, do what you want and whatever happens, happens. So it's quite yep. an interesting take. She's very, almost going over that line herself. So, yeah, I, I did quite think, you know, where are they going with that? But uh, I, over the whole, I think she was a necessary plot device because she's like I said, she's that person who just sort of saying to pan, all right, we'll do this. Then we'll do that. Then we'll do that. And he's sort of, he just kind of goes along with it really, doesn't he? Until, until the very end, he's sort of just a, almost sort of being directed by her. I think, I think in what way, she's the sort of person behind the throne, so to speak.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you, he'd still be, fixing his tractor wouldn't he if it yeah, wasn't for yeah. her you know she and absolutely she yeah. prod him into action so yeah she, it, it is a good interaction with those two and obviously uh you know there's a bit of uh chemistry obviously between them mm-hmm. and i know in yeah. the comics that there, there kind of is on off isn't there but yeah. Um, yeah obviously with lois out the picture then uh it, it becomes a bit of a an easier run of it but yeah no she definitely has to prod prod him along and uh <laughs> As they discuss in mole rats, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Kevin Smith's oh, mole rats. Yeah, oh, many know. times. Yeah. So she's probably one of the only people who could withstand his super sperm. <laughs> uh, well, the end of the book would suggest she can, you know, based on the, how you,
0: how you find uh, her situation at the end of the book. Uh, yeah, we, I yeah. guess we'll get to at the end. I couldn't.
1: I guess. I guess Kevin Smith was right. Well, I'm. I'm sure. I'm trying to think now. Was it? Was mole mole rats was mid nineties. Uh, but I yeah, can't remember they, if it came out before or after this book. Uh,
0: well, this was '96. I think Moratz was around '96, wasn't it? I Nin- think
1: I think it might actually be '96. So this is great right. podcasting. But let me let me just very quickly <laughs> um, have a quick look because I I've got '96 in my head. Oh, no, 95 it was.
0: Was it? All right. So, uh, yeah, maybe they, um, maybe Alec Tross and Matt Wade watched more rats and thought, yeah. oh, well, uh, <laughs> well uh, oh, Kev was right. Let's stick it in there, you know. So, um yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, so obviously the, the catalyst for this sort of callback to, to arms, if you will, is very similar to what we were discussing on episode one with Civil War, where this new generation sort of a mishap in the field if you will that results in the death of a hell of a lot of people um although it's as well as this sort of collateral damage with people this irradi this nuclear explosion that happens as a result of the sort of initial scuffle irradiates yep. a large portion of the the food uh, production in the united states so it's again it's a, a similar device to civil war where it's a a, a big wrongdoing a big sort of casualty or collateral damage of the 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 newer generation that spurs the the older one into the the start of the story if
1: you will so there's there's quite a bit of similarity there I think and and you know what I I, because I had no idea that that event was in this book and and I was I was (laughs) thinking exactly (laughs) the same thing when that happened I'm like oh We did this last week. But actually, you know, I mean, we were praising Mark Millar quite a lot last week, and I I still think very highly of him. But when reading this, I must admit, I found myself thinking, you know what? There's no way Mark Millar isn't a massive fan of this book because I can see a lot of old man Logan in here. Um, You know, with that dystopian future, obviously old man Logan, he won't pop his claws. And, you know, he is... Kal in in this story at the start isn't he? You know he's he's that broken yeah, man somewhere. in in the future, yeah. and of course you know you got this massive event. Well, that was it's clearly taken that for civil war. So yeah, I, I, it's really funny how things work out sometimes. But I was thinking that as well. It's, it's very very similar to last week.
0: Yeah, it is. There are quite while the two stories are quite different in their execution and the the way it pans out. Yeah, there's there's a lot of similar bits and pieces in there but i suppose that's the same with a lot of stories really you can always when you do drill, d- drill down into them you can always find oh well there's shades of that in there there's shades of that in there it's yeah you know, it's not yeah. it's not a massively uncommon thing um so obviously following that point we get this uh, introduction of this sort of super prison this meta prison or the gulag as they call it in the book <laughs> where basically anyone who will won- convert to sort of joining this revived old guard is basically slung in there and it's a bit of a, a free-for-all heroes villains everyone who's in there is not towing the line Is kind of tossed in there and it starts to get ridiculously full after just a few days i mean do you think that's um that approach that um decision that they come to is we'll just chuck them all in prison do you think that's the right way to go do you think that's um befitting of these old heroes that they would do that would they not maybe find a better way or try to find a better way it's what do you think about yeah,
1: i i think i didn't like it to be honest yeah. um it, superman seemed to go from right i'm not bothered at all you know and then he went straight 180 so the other yeah. way to, right, I'm taking control of all of this and I'm going to decide, I'm going to call all the shots. He's basically taking the power out of all of you know the government and humanity and whatever. He said, right, I'm going to chuck them all in here. It seemed very draconian uh, yeah. and controlling. And again, I I was gripped you know, for, from this because I'm like, where is it going, actually? At this point in the story, I was thinking, you know what? Is, is Superman going to become the bad guy? You know, because yeah. he's been so controlling and and gone about it this way, so I I, I don't know um, if it was intended to be written that way. You know, um, but it was it was definitely interesting. I mean, what what do you think, Max? I th-
0: I think it was sort of indicative of the situation. I think where there was a sort of sense of things have got out of control too, too much. And it's better to have them sort of taken off the board and put in this situation rather than it being a constant battle with them. And they, you know, they'll never see the error of the way. So chuck them in there and then try to rehabilitate them from there. It's better to rehabilitate them while they're locked up than try and rehabilitate them while they're out and about. Cause if they're locked up at mm-hmm. least they can't, bring harm to the people that they're trying to protect so i can see the methodology behind it but i just think it's a bit of a draconian harsh kind of thing to do not necessarily befitting of the characters or the traditional uh, version of the characters So i Mm -hmm. suppose this is a, a future set it's an alternate reality it's you know the characters can be different they're not beholden to the more traditional depictions of the character so maybe on that side of the coin it it does work i don't know um but what i where we have sort of that going on there with the superman and all the villains in there we also have this sort of plot being put together by bruce wayne the batman um where he sort of got some of his loyal band together you've got green arrow in there you've got black canary in there green arrow rocking the old mick miller haircut there yeah <laughs> with not, nothing on top plenty on the sides you know yeah Oliver Queen does not age well in this book um <laughs> no. but it's quite good though because he, he looks exactly like the Oliver Queen you see in the Dark Knight Returns um only with sort of both arms as opposed to one arm like he has in the
1: yeah. in
0: the deep Dark Knight Returns but I suppose it's mm-hmm. quite consistent um but yeah he looks a state um and then obviously Lex, Lex Luthor has organized this uh, MLF which he calls the Mankind Liberation Front where he's got yeah. a, his group of his Golden Age villains, you've got Catwoman in there, you've got Riddler, you've got uh, Vandal Savage, mm-hmm. you've also got um, a sort of version of Damian Wayne in there as well, he's sort of, they call him the heir to Rachel al Ghul but I, I, it's inferred that it's actually Bruce Wayne and Talia al Ghul's son so in mm-hmm. fact, that's a sort of an adult Damian Wayne. Yeah. Um, and they're sort of going to take control of the world from the heroes, if you will. And then you think that Batman's uh, Bruce Wayne's gone in league with them because he does, but obviously with it being Batman, he's, there's always a plan to anything he does. He's always thinking 10 steps of everyone else. So when you see them come together, that's quite something to see that actually, a, a sort of Bruce Wayne, Lex Luthor handshake. And it looks as though he's gone the wrong way until what plays out plays out. I think as well, if I sort of cast my mind back to my first read of it, you do think that maybe he's sort of fallen that far down Bruce Wayne on his sort of moral compass that he would go with that. Did you think that when you first read it? Not knowing what was to come, Yep. did you think, wow, he's gone that way?
1: Got me hook, line and sinker. I was like, oh, don't believe it. Bruce Wayne, yeah. surely not, you know, but I completely bought into it. Because again, you you're off piste. I'd not mm. not read this before, didn't know anything about, you know, which way the story was gonna go. Again, to my core, I don't think that Bruce Wayne would. But mm-hmm. you know, in that panel, I'm like, oh, you bastard. And again, with, <laughs> with the <laughs> with watching um Christ on Infinite Earth as well, where he did go that way. You know, yeah, exactly, that just reinforce yeah. it, so there was no doubt in my mind that he double crossed there, and and uh, yeah, I was not happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not, and obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, you know where he's going with it, but at that point, you think he's actually just completely gone that way, and in some ways, you can see why he would because him and Superman are more at odds than they've ever been. He kind of holds a bit of. A bit of resentment, I would say, towards mm-hmm. Superman for abandoning them ten yep. years ago and sort of turning his back on not his job, but his 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 calling, if that's the right word. So you think maybe he is he has gone that way. But as with all good Batman stories, as with all good Bruce Wayne plots, there is a methodology behind the madness, and it's obviously he's there to sort of try and find out what Luther's end game is. And then we discover that it basically involves a, a now adult version of Billy Batson, yep. uh, Shazam, Shazam, Captain Marvel, call him what you will. Um, and he's going to sort of use him because he's the only meta sort of capable of going toe to toe with Superman. Um, so that's quite an interesting plot And in the way that you, it's quite good because it was the first time you'd ever actually seen Batson as an adult. And it's mm-hmm. great the way that he looks exactly the same, doesn't he, when he changes yeah. from one yep. to the other. He, His appearance never changes, so you wonder if they would ever go down that route in the mainstream content. If they ever aged him up, would he look exactly the same?
1: I'd like to think that if Billy Batson aged up, he'd just be like a normal sized bloke. Whereas both he and Superman, you know, they Mm. are proper Arnie level, muscly characters, aren't they? Yeah. So, you know, Billy Batson, when he's not Shazam must've been eating a lot of protein and heading down, gym, <laughs> you know, so, cause, cause he's yeah. huge, Ginny, you know? So I guess yeah. that's the only, that's the only thing. And again, it, it, I can see why they've done it visually because you're almost not sure. Is he Shazam yeah. now or is he, is he Billy? You know what? I've got to say, hand on heart. What were we talking about? We were, Oh, we were doing uh master of the universe the other week and I was oh, yeah, listening yeah. back. And <clears throat> I know it's Billy Batson, and I heard myself say <laughs> Billy Baxter, and I'm like, "Oh, you bellend. what What are you doing?" <laughs> like sometimes your mouth just doesn't quite oh. engage the brain. But um, oh, tell me about yeah. it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I've got to admit, I love Captain Marvel. I I think he's great, and uh, I I still I still have conflicted thoughts because obviously he's part of the DC universe now. Mm-hmm. You know, very much so in 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 the universe now even more so than than uh when this elseworld story was told but yeah i still have conflicted thoughts because ultimately you know National they, they put force at comics out of business so there's a little bit of a it doesn't quite sit right with me you know okay. it's like oh is this dc character well yeah, but only because you drove the company out of business, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no, I do. I, I love Shazam. And, and the fact that, all right, you can say originally the design and everything was very much based on Superman. The, the way he, he's just kind of taken that magical route, you know, I think I, I quite like just how he's differentiated from him. But I like yeah. how this story is played, um, where basically he's he's the only guy who can stand up to Superman, isn't he? Mm.
0: Yeah, on a physical level, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's it's, it's, it's a very good device, actually, because he's although he's not been turned evil, he has been brainwashed, and they're using these little um, wormy things a bit like star trek wrath of khan yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah. (laughs) you can't see it going up going up his ear canal or anything like that but it's it's quite similar isn't it um yeah so it's quite an interesting way to use that character actually and i think he's we'll get to obviously the end with the choice he has to make at the end sort of his Sophie's choice moment but
1: yeah it's
0: a really really well done and well-rounded depiction of the character i think now, what I want to talk about now, uh, before we sort of move forward and, and obviously move towards the end of the book, is the artwork in this book um, by Alex Ross. Uh, now, Alex Ross is a is a, a superstar comic book artist. I think he's one of the few, the probably a handful, that have sort of transcended the the genre, um, become a name brand by himself. Um, along with a few mm-hmm. others, you know, you, you Jack Kirby's, you, you Jim Lee's, you John Romita's, people like that, who are their name is their own brand rather than the Marvel brand or the DC brand. That mm-hmm. artist name. Yeah. Now, I know you've got some thoughts on the art in this book, and I'd, I'd, we're going to hear that. Um, I personally think he is the greatest living comic book artist i can't get enough i've got books uh in my book room of his art just solely his art one a dc one and a marvel mm-hmm. one i could look at his work all day long and this book is you know i think he's never been at his, his best um what's the word i'm looking for now he's never been better than he is in this book it's absolutely sumptuous what do you think
1: well, I guess, you know, I, I, I would definitely echo a lot of what you've said there. I mean, it is just beautiful. I mean, every single panel mm. just looks amazing. I I don't think there's a single panel in this whole book that I wouldn't just love to have as a piece of art and just hang it up on the wall. Oh, Everything. Yeah. I, I don't know how this book hasn't taken like 10 years to put together because it, it mm. just looks so amazing. But the the thing, so I think it was a, a one of the old uh, nice comic cons. So the Northampton Comic Con, and and I yeah. think originally when it, I think it might have been the first one that, that Alan Moore was at, and I saw a, a talk. I think it was Alan Davis, and he was talking about storytelling through art. Mm. And I I hadn't thought too deeply. You know, you read comics for years, but you don't try and dissect them. Yeah, and. But he was—he had all these things up, all these images, and he was talking about the storytelling that the artist is trying to tell, you know. And he had pictures just for kicks of like, you know, just big hulking, you know, juggernaut and Wolverine clobbering Ooh. each other and stuff like that. It's like, well, when you think of comics, like people might think of this, but he was going on about the art of storytelling, you know, and from panel to panel, and I think. There was a there was a bit in the uh, in here, and I think it's when you have the big superhero showdowns and whatever. I found it a little bit confusing, and again, it, it doesn't really do a, a. It's not a traditional panel structure by any stretch, is it? You know, something like Watchmen, mm. you've got that very rigid kind of panel structure, whereas this yeah. is very uh, fluid. And and you know, again, I, I I'm flicking through it now, and I, I'm trying to come up with a panel. That I wouldn't hang on my wall, and and I just can't do it. Everyone is just yeah. amazing, but I just find that sequential art, mm-hmm. I just thought was maybe lacking a little bit, you know. And because each individual piece is so fantastic, it's yeah. just that there is something that I can't quite articulate. But going from panel to panel, sometimes I just found it a little bit confusing. And again, oh, okay. I, I can't actually find a good example of it, but I think it, a lot of it was just when the heroes were all kind of uh, beating each other up, or the anti-heroes and the old school heroes. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, this is the first time I've been through it. Um and as I'm flicking through now, I'm trying to remember why I thought that. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely did. Yeah. Okay, so, so right, I'm going to hold up. I found one here. Hold on. So what's that? Page 163. I'm going to hold it up to the camera. I don't know if you're going to be able to see that at all. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. You recognize that one? Again, there's just something... Yeah. I'm not... And again, because the lighting, it, it's so light, I'm just like, okay, I'm not really sure what's... I'm not sure what's happening there, but I guess yeah. if if I'm to argue with myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's so many heroes, so many, you know, heroes fighting heroes kind of thing. I, I yeah. wonder if it's trying to depict the chaos of war kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so maybe I'm confused, but I... I should be confused because it is chaotic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's very busy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see what you mean. It's certainly, it's certainly a very valid point. I mean, not everyone likes this style of art. Um, I did hear one guy, I can't remember who it was now, but I remember listening to one guy talk about Alex Ross, and he said that he thought his art made all the heroes look like middle-aged men in cosplay. And... <laughs> Which I think is a bit harsh, but there is a part of me that can understand that, um, because when you look at each character, character, the the costumes don't look like a sort of specially made um, high tech costume. It mm-hmm. literally looks like if you look at Superman suit in this, or well, um, I going not say Batman suit, but in in this version of the Batman, you never see him in the old-school Batman yeah, the, only yeah. time he, the only time he suits up, he's in like a suit of armour at the end. But those costumes, they literally just look like cloth costumes, don't they? They don't look, they're not there with like their sort of fake built-in muscles. They're not armoured. They've not got sort of modern motifs. Um, they're very functional and they look like real-world costumes. And the, peop- the people I find... And William and & Mary... We believe today's business education
1: needs to be more than just innovative. It requires a legacy of success, a focus on teaching, an emphasis on technology, and a practical hands-on approach. At William &
0: Mary's Raymond A. Mason School of Business, our online, part-time, and traditional
1: full-time graduate programs apply these strengths to provide the experience necessary to help you succeed. Visit us at chatadmissions.com to learn more.
0: look like real people. You can tell yeah. that he when he his process is that he as reference he uses actual people will stand for him, sit for him, model for him, whatever you want yeah. to say, in costume or, or like as a reference. So everything's done with a view to looking like a, a real situation,
1: I think. Which, yeah. which isn't to everyone's taste, but to me I just think it's it's mind-blowingly good. It it looks great. I mean there's there's one um uh, there's one panel where you know Shazam uh, or Captain Marvel first appears on the scene, and you yeah, know, I think I think they could have done a bit of a better job to hide his package. Um, <laughs> 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 but it is the old school kind of cloth. More clothy yeah. spandex isn't it definitely yeah. and, and, and I don't know I, I i'm with you, I think I like that you know because it adds a touch of realism. It's not like the Henry Cavill kind of Superman suit where it 's all of the latest tech and everything you know this yeah, is a, exactly a character that came out in the thirties, so you know it should be a bit clothy and and what have you and, and uh, yeah, there's no question he He's absolutely used models here, so these are real people that we mm-hmm. that we're looking at. And uh, no, I, th- I think it looks great. And I think, you know, sometimes th- th- are those actually people's opinions, or are they just trying to be a little bit, um, be a little bit controversial and swim against the tide? You know.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think sometimes people like to you, you know, quote unquote a hot take, as people like to call it these days. Yeah, um, and just say something a bit, a bit naughty, a bit controversial, a bit sort of anti-popular sentiment just to sort of, you know, stir it up a bit, drop a, a stone in the water and see what happens.
1: Yeah, one of the Piers know, Morgan types, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but perhaps not with the uh, articulate Turner phrase. But it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, But it doesn't have to be to everyone's taste. I mean, you know, like I think we said last week, what, one person thinks he's brilliant, another person thinks a, a pile of shit and vice yep. versa. Um, it doesn't have to be to everyone's taste, but it is very much to my taste. That's not to say I don't like other art styles and other artists, but for me, it's it, I could just look at it for hours and hours and hours. And like I said um, earlier, when you read this again, I guarantee if, if you do decide to read this again at any point, be it in the near future or maybe two years from now, you'll see stuff that you didn't see before. There's so much going on in the background, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you probably, I've got plenty of canvases around the house. You can probably see behind me there. I've got the old Todd McFarland oh, yes. Spider-Man yep. up on the wall there. Uh, and and I must admit, going through this, I'm thinking, you know what I am missing? I'm missing some Alex Ross artwork although to be fair i I kind of have it you know so i've got the dc graphic novels so you get it each of the spines goes to makeup so you've you've got it there so i kind of have got some alex ross but no i I need a bit more in my house to be honest
0: you can never go wrong you can never go wrong i mean he he, he sells it if you go on his his own website you can buy his own stuff on there but it's my god it's expensive you know it's 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 not um a it's a rich a rich fans um pastime i would say you know if you want to get his, his original <laughs> stuff but i mean i've got a couple of bit, bits on the wall i've got a couple of i mean I'm, they're only snide ones i bought off ebay for like 25 quid 30 quid something <laughs> like that on a canvas someone's printed onto a canvas but that, that's all mine are, still- to be honest yeah oh yeah <laughs> can't go wrong with that can you you know my, i've got them in my son's room as well he loves it like, above his bed and that but you can't go wrong with it, you know. It's um, it's great stuff, it really. I th- is
1: I think if if money was no object, right? Mm. I, th- I think my top three would be to have something something like this this kind of Earth Two Superman with Alex Ross, right? Yeah, that would be one. Four by Isad uh, Ribic. I don't know if you you've seen any of his work. It, it's very much a painted style. Um, right. Okay. he did god of thunder after we finish with oh. Brian, i'll send you some of his stuff through really good and uh oh, adi granoff did oh the, yeah yeah uh, extremis yes. kind of redesign yeah. for iron man yeah if money was no object i'd have original pieces by by those three i, I think each of those are, are absolutely brilliant those are probably my favorite artists i think
0: yeah definitely some good uh good stuff in there Um. But, um, yeah, I, you said earlier that you don't know how long it would have taken to have drawn out this book because of the way it's done. Yeah. I mean, quite quite a sort of symptom of that is now. Alex Ross doesn't do a lot of um, full books anymore. He does just, just tend to do covers,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: which is a shame because I want to read more stuff like this. And yeah. he's doing um, – for Marvel, he's doing a lot of covers at the minute. He's doing covers for the Immortal Hulk series – each one of like, you'll get like a variant cover from him on that. The Captain America current Marvel series, you'll get variants with that. And they all look, I mean, they look exactly like what we're looking at yeah. now, but with those characters and he's like, I want more, I want more. But sadly, I think, you know, the the time involved for him to, to do something like, he couldn't just churn out a, um, a monthly issue or a fortnightly issue, even like some titles are now, which yeah. are, these are, these artists and machines now, the way they can, put them out there but i think with his process it obviously takes a lot longer which is a shame because it means he's not as prolific but what he does put out there my god it is it's absolutely amazing i I could have police spend my day walking around Gallery just full of this stuff you know
1: yeah absolutely and and it is just one of those things isn't it 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 clearly takes such a long time um and and when he did marvels you know that that burst him onto the scene really, didn't it? And and I guess, you yeah. know, his, his fee goes up and up and up. So I, I think he's in the place that you logically, he's always going to get to, isn't he? So he's he's going to get paid, you know, if, yeah. if you do it by hour, you know, to do a cover and whatever, he's going to get yeah. a lot more for that than, than just churning out monthly. So yeah. I, I think, you know, and, and it's just so good. All of it, isn't it? I mean, I, I, following him on Instagram and I can just quite happily just scroll through you know it's just fantastic all of it
0: yeah yeah it it is he's uh, easily top two or three comic book artists of all time in my humble opinion whatever that's worth to anyone so who, who
1: would you say Mike so I, I've said three of my top artists there who mm-hmm. apart from Alex Ross if you're saying top one if he's top three who, who would you say are the other two two for you
0: um, it's not in a particular order where you go one two three um, it's an interchangeable I just wouldn't separate one above the other I'd definitely have him in it um, I would have Jim Lee in it oh which you can't go wrong. Um, I would have Jack Kirby in there. I mean, just for the sort of prolific back catalogue, in some ways his art is a time capsule. It's not, you know, at the risk of sounding controversial, by today's standards, it's not the most breathtaking, Mm -hmm. but it was the first, you know? He was the first to do that character and that character and that character, so, yeah. everything that we have now is just swimming in his slipstream. Everyone yep. is sort of paying homage to what he did first. So, you would have to put him in there. Um, I would put in there's a guy called uh, Ken Ropefort who does a lot of work for DC that I'm a big fan of.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and also Gary Frank, mm-hmm. a British artist who's just come off the back of doing doomsday clock with jeff johns yeah his his stuff is amazing to look at and one more i would say as a more modern artist um a guy called jason Fabok or Fabok. i'm not sure how you pronounce it Mm f-a-b-o-k is how you spell it um and he's done a lot of good work recently for dc Mm -hmm. there's a book coming out very soon um i think next month actually called three jokers which has been hyped up for Ages, it's been in the yeah. works for about two years, and he's done the art for that, um, and I'm very excited. He's done Justice League as well. He's done a, mm-hmm. some of the bit, the bit, the bigger. Name characters for, for DC in the last couple of years, and he is he is something special as well. So, yeah. but if you ask me tomorrow, Dave, I'd probably have five other names for you. you that, know?
1: That's the thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I completely agree with what you're saying about Jack Kirby. I mean, if if you if you measure it up to today's standards, it, yeah, it doesn't hold up, does it? But no, no. You talk about being a machine. Yeah, he was the man, and certainly, you know, for the for the Marvel side. He invented that whole universe. I mean, Jack exactly. uh, Stanley. You know, had all the razzmatazz, and he added the mm. dialogue and whatever. And he, he was an ideas guy, got people working together quite well. You know, mm. he was good at what he did. But in terms of just the characters and and that storytelling through the artwork, he's the godfather. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah, he is, and I'm glad that people do realise that and don't just defer to Stanley as the yeah. The man behind it all oh, which he is and which he he was and is and and deserves his place as the the absolute uber man at the at the top of it but without jack kirby there would be you no know, stanley in my opinion yeah
1: and yeah. vice
0: versa and vice versa of course it works both ways but he does deserve his his due uh, his due deference we should say yeah definitely
1: yeah yeah
0: 100 percent uh okay so getting back to the uh, topic in hand um so just as we race towards the end of the book, we discover that Luther's plot is to obviously get the brainwashed Shazam, Captain Marvel, Billy Batson, whatever you want to call him, to break open the the gulag, spilling everyone out into the to the street, and basically letting them kill each other um, to in order in order to let his group pick up the pieces and take back the world Um and when this happens this draws Batman into the fray straps on the uh, the armoured suit and gets in there as well so it's like a, a triple threat match if you will you've got the villains on one side you've got Superman's team on the other and you've got Batman's team on the other it's just a bit of a, a free-for-all and like you said that's when you see all these sort of cluttered panels this carnage mm-hmm. going on um, and then obviously to sort of skip to the end we get the, the United Nations taking the decision to nuke them all um to sort of just end it because if they don't, they fear that perhaps they'll just uh, destroy the world with what they're doing. So ultimately it comes down to sort of Captain Marvel's sort of Sophie's Choice moment where he's there with Superman. They're in this, this sort of titanic tussle one-on-one and the, the missile is on its way. So Superman basically holds his mouth shut and tells him he's going to stop that bomb, but Batson's got to make a choice there. He can either... Stop Superman. We allow the warhead to kill all the metahumans, or he can let Superman stop the bomb. But then that would allow the metahumans' war to engulf the world. But he tells Batson that he's got to be the one to make that decision because he's the only one, and I quote, "Who lives in both worlds because he's a man and he's a god. He's both when he's either side of his identity." Mm -hmm. So obviously, we know the choice he makes. So. Do you back that choice? Do you think he made the right choice? Or would you have liked to have seen it go another way at the end there?
1: Uh, like I say, I love Captain Marvel. You know, the yeah. the original Captain Marvel. So it was a bit gutted the way it did go. Yeah. If I'm honest, I don't quite understand why saying Shazam three times in quick succession, mm. why that meant, you know, it blew up. and Because it's three times... What happened there? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um,
0: I, I don't know why he had to say it three times, because you would have thought one bolt of uh, Shazam lightning would do the job, wouldn't you? Uh, that would destroy the missile, unless he was just saying it over and over again until he got the job done. I'm not entirely sure.
1: Maybe, um, maybe you, would, so, you, would think, yeah. you
0: would think one would be enough, unless he's sort of in a panic would just... Going shazam shazam you know just saying it as many times as he could just sort of try and destroy it make sure it was destroyed well albeit prematurely he doesn't he doesn't destroy the bomb does he it still goes off but prematurely from you know what it would what it would have been so although he doesn't and, and obviously it costs him his you know I can't really have to worry too much about spoiler alerts but for a 20-odd-year-old book, he, <laughs> it, it, it does...
1: For an Elseworlds story.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, spoiler, spoiler alert, he's, he's not dead. But in, in, obviously in this uh, book, he, it costs him his life. Um, but is that the right choice to make? Should he have just let Superman go up there and, and stop the bomb? But then, obviously, the war would have carried on and probably seen the end of the world... Or was he right to do what he did? You know, which way would you have gone if you'd have been in his
1: situation? I think um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Be- yeah, because it is, I, yeah. again, I, I haven't pondered too much about you know, did he make the right choice? Again, I, I think if you look at echoes of something else, so it, it, it echoed a little bit of Dark Phoenix for me. Mm. You know, so uh, at the end, again, spoilers for Dark Phoenix, which is even older, uh, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> Jean Grey ends up effectively, you know, committing suicide, you know, so she yeah. she takes back control from the Phoenix, which allows, yeah. you know, her to be destroyed. Um, it sort of felt a little bit like that. Again, I, I think the reason I wasn't thinking about the decision too much is mm. these few pages, you know, Again, every single panel is brilliant from Ross, but it yeah. sort of goes, you know, from a nine to a ten. That's that's the only, you know, and out of ten, so there's nothing that drops below to say an eight. But yeah. these few pages are just phenomenal, you know. And, yeah. and as they say in Spinal Tap, it might even be an eleven age <laughs> yeah. where you've got, you know, so you've got this explosion takes out all of the, you know, or a lot of the meta humans. Mm. And you've got all of these decimated skeletons everywhere. You've got, you know, Superman on his knees in the classic no kind of pose. Mm. But everything's kind of black and white apart from Superman in the middle there. Ah, oh, it's just so good.
0: Mm-hmm. And and so
1: that's why I'm I'm not thinking too much about the moral implications of the story. It's just like this artwork is just something else. It, it, this is, yeah. If you're talking about you know the best artists and stuff in terms of these pages, for me you've got to put Ross on on the top of the pile there.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, it's a, one of the. It's a like you said. It's like the um, Willem Dafoe in Platoon shot, isn't it? Of him sort of stood there, sort
1: of. Oh yeah, yeah. Look, Good looking football. up at the sky, yeah, going. Very out, much. You,
0: you know. Um, and it's it's incredibly striking, like you say, seeing all those um it, it's quite a bold ending, really, because they literally kill virtually everyone who was in that end scene with one or two exceptions, which we'll we'll get to, but it's you know, you can clearly see like the corpse of Green Arrow skeleton there, because you can see the remnants of the bow and arrow. You can see he's like holding his dead oh, wife's yeah, yeah. skeleton, and he's like holding on to her. You can see, you can make out who s- certain ones of them are. So they've, they've really not been afraid to kill off major characters at the end there. That's quite quite something, quite bold. Yeah. Um, and obviously that is the sort of straw that <laughs> broke the camel's back for, for Superman, and then it's a case of off to the United Nations we go for the end of the book. Um, and that's where, I mean, we've sort of not mentioned, apart from the start, but this Norman McKay character. Mm-hmm. This preacher, uh, this uh, vicar priest, if you will, who's been taken around this situation by the, the the spectre and has literally gone through every part of this story. He's been in scenes, observing scenes. At one point, gets pulled into reality by the the, the, by the flash and has a conversation with them all about what's to come. He, you know, he's been told about this sort of the end of days, and probably you're wondering well why is not why is he there but what purpose is he serving by being sort of the narrator and what's what's Mm -hmm. the end game and then it all comes together at the end because he's the one that talks Superman down off the ledge down off the proverbial ledge of course because he's literally about to tear the UN building down to the ground for what they did by by nuking him and his uh, his uh, friends and it's that McKay character who's seen all this and points out that the way he's behaving is exactly the sort of reason that humans fear the superpower he realises at the end that he's become what he came out of retirement to stop, if, if that makes sense. he's he, he came out of self-imposed exile at the start of the book to bring the world back into the normal order of things, how it should have been, how it used to be. And at the end of the book, he's become that, person that he actually wanted to stop if that makes sense he's fallen far from where he was to yep. where he is at one moment where you've got this man this ordinary man he's nothing special Who he's the one that that talks him down it's quite a strikingly done ending to the book what do
1: you think about it yeah i uh, really good i mean i, I i'm not i wasn't quite sure I guess uh, unless he's, he's kind of like the, the ghost of Christmas past or something isn't he the specter <laughs> yeah. in, this, in this case yeah. but um, yeah no I do like that again one of the other films I went back to recently was uh, From Dusk Till Dawn so I, I was kind of I had that in my mind again it's I'm sure that's about 96 as well all, all these yeah. things in the in the mid 90s but you have um, Harvey K. Tell's character there as a preacher who's lost his faith you hmm. know, but he becomes quite important at the end because uh, what, what does George Clooney say to him? Are, are you a preacher who's lost your faith or are you a motherfucking servant of God? <laughs> mean motherfucking servant <laughs> yeah. of God. Or kind of <laughs> Someone, say, yeah. Yeah. So he yeah. blesses all of the... Uh, holy super soakers and, and you know, they go and take out some vampires. So <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Rubber johnnies filled with holy water. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it, again, it's, it's weird the way life sort of brings together. certain, certain yeah. uh, completely disconnected things, but yeah. So, so it's good that they give him a role and he wasn't just, he wasn't just exposition for us, you know, the readers. Um, yeah. Because a, a lot, it's a good, uh, it's good storytelling device, isn't it? To, uh, to put, to tell it from his perspective at, at certain points, but no, he, he had a role. Uh, I did fear for him when he got dragged into the, um, uh, in by the, it was the flash, wasn't it? Mm. You know, and, yeah. Uh, I, I wondered which way that was going to go, but, but no, it was really good. And I did like this ending. And, you know, again, jumping back a little bit, but, you know, when when Superman, he's done the whole uh, Willem Dafoe, no kind of thing on his, on his <laughs> knees. Yeah. And he just gets up and you see the red laser eyes. You just think, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know, I've criticized the sequential storytelling a little bit. But yeah. that felt cinematic.
0: It does, yeah. yeah. And I, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I don't think you'd ever get a live-action film of this, to be honest with you. I think it would be too problematic a film to make, but it, it it's crying out for at least an animated film to be made of it. And yeah. I'm, surprised, I'm surprised it hasn't been done yet, really. I mean, that's what they love to do with these DC animated films. They love to go back and... Picks classic stories, classic classic uh, graphic novels, and put them into these animated uh, films, and they could easily do it with this. It it would sell massively. I'm sure it must be in the pipeline, if not, you know, already being thought about. It
1: it's got to be, and and you know, um, you know, hand on heart. Yeah. Well actually the the more recent dc warner brothers properties have, have been a lot mm. better haven't they they they've yeah. they've done quite well there. Shazam Aquaman Shazam. Yeah. um Joker I thought was mm-hmm. fantastic yeah. um but they've always hit it out of the park with the animated stuff I, oh, I, yeah. Marvel can't yeah. touch him with that and and they've no. just done no. Red Sun haven't they so that that's just recently come out the, the Mark Millar story yeah. I can't imagine like you say that this isn't somewhere in the pipeline somewhere because this this needs to be made yeah yeah
0: it would it would do really well and I'm sure I'm sure it's on the, the to-do list when you look at some of the ones they've used which you probably think geez why have they bothered um but then the cherry picked at other times, the very best stuff. And it's gotta be, it's gotta be coming. If it, if it isn't, then I'll, I'll, if I never get to see it, I'll die very unhappy and unfulfilled. <laughs> um, I just hope one day we get to see it, but you know, remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a suitable ending, I think, because it just kind of shows that all of this, I don't want to say it was all worth it because it, you know a lot of terrible things have happened it's been terrible loss of life and the world's been in a terrible state but then you do see at the end these shoots of recovery don't you you see um superman farming the land you know getting things to grow again in where it was previously irradiated and made useless you get you see batman opening up that manor again wayne manor i should say and tending to the sick and reconciling with Bob, with Dick Grayson and things like that. Wonder Woman, welcome back into the royal family on um, Themyscira. So you just get to see that throughout all this journey, all this bleakness, at the very end, things are on the up again, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I don't think we mentioned, did we? But um, you do get, I think, a, a little bit of an explanation why... Wonder Woman is a bit more prickly, you know she 's basically been booted out because mm. they, uh, they basically said she 'd failed at her mission. yeah, the world of man was no better than when she got here, so yeah yeah, I think um, it, it does that that does give a little bit of an explanation why she 's more kind of you know let's let 's go and do this and and of course, you know. I was talking before about where where she was a bit of an anti-hero. I mean, when she put the sword through—I I can't remember the character's name—but you know, through his heart, essentially. Yeah. Again, that was another holy shit moment. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, there is no, uh, no fucking about.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's is probably the most vicious character in this book. Like I said earlier, she's just any excuse she wants to just kill somebody really she is just constantly like no we must we must do this we must do that we must you know if they don't agree with us we will kill them all we'll chuck them in the prison or we'll do even worse things to them she really is the the driving force i think although people look at this book and they go yeah it's about the dichotomy between superman and batman and old versus new and things like that but i think she is the sort of shark of the book the silent killer if you will
1: and, you know, done very well, I must say. So, yeah, even when she's, uh, even when Superman's dithering a bit, you know, she gives him a bit of criticism and, and then essentially takes takes the power away from him. Yeah. You know, she thinks he's been dithering for too long. It's like, right, sorry, gives him a bit of a, a kiss. I, I think the description of it was interesting. It was like, was it steel on? Metal, marble. Like, marble, yeah, yeah, still a marble yeah. or something like yeah. that. I thought, well, that'd be interesting, but um, makes me wonder about the epilogue actually,
0: <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, as we mentioned earlier with our sort of mole rat sidebar, <laughs> you this yeah. epilogue, which is set, uh, I, I don't think it's explicitly mentioned how far after the end of the the book it is how many weeks or months it is but a a little bit of time has passed the world's um heading in the right direction and we get to see um superman and wonder woman come to this uh planet krypton it's called so it's like a a version of planet hollywood but it's like a a themed restaurant with all sort of memorabilia from old superheroes i've I've
1: just got it It's, it's one year later
0: one year later, yeah, okay, yeah. all right, no, no problem. So yes, yeah. so everything's sort of gone for the better and the world's heading towards a brighter future. So you see them come to this like cheesy, shitty, uh, like Planet Rock kind of restaurant. And uh, meet up with old Bruce there in the suit and he's still got the uh, skeleton thing on because he's still a cripple, obviously. And (laughs) they sort of, you know, exchange a bit of small talk about where things are headed and then all of a sudden they're going to obviously tell him something and he just says immediately, oh, you're pregnant because obviously he's Batman so he already knows these things.
1: I thought that was brilliant. And again, I love it when they do things like that you know he's the world's greatest detective so it would would have been so out of character for him to be like really and spit out his coffee or something it's like yeah Yeah. i saw it you know and it it, it was sherlock holmes he's dissected the whole situation you know and he knows it already i I love that bit actually
0: yeah it is yeah and it's just such a simple thing because he says to her well you're a ageless immortal amazon warrior like physical perfection but you've put on a bit of bit of weight there you know (laughs)
1: I think he was risking a slap to the jaw there a bit.
0: <laughs> I know. If he'd, been, if he'd have been wrong in his uh, uh, assumption, then
1: uh, sometimes he'd been throughout <laughs> the book,
0: I think he, he would have had a broken neck or something like that. But,
1: uh, <laughs> she's just been having too many carbs or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: ex- exactly, exactly. You've got to watch your P's and Q's. But, um, yeah, it's um, a nice positive ending, isn't it, from where the book starts with you know the world has gone to shit and you know the the bad stuff that happens and particularly the ending was very bleak you get that little sort of bow tie on the end of it there that just shows that you know things are heading in the right direction again and all's good in the world and that the the next generation although the generation that the 10 years later generation were were bad and this caused this whole situation for the book the next generation they the, the offspring of, of Superman and Wonder Woman, you know, the, you get the feeling the world's going to be in safe hands again, don't you?
1: Yeah. And actually I really like this epilogue because a, a lot of the times, especially with the events and things, yeah, they're just kind of setting up the next event then, you know, when it, yeah. when it gets to the end, but this feels like a genuinely nice closure. And I like yeah. the, I, I mean, to be honest, <sighs> Having a having godparents, I'm not even sure if I know who mine are. I don't know if you know who yours are. It's not it's not that big of a thing, Um, Mm. but I did like the idea that basically, you know, they're saying, "Look, both of us, we're we're gods, so and we know we what we know, but we ultimately we see the world through the the eyes of gods. We need someone to teach our Our uh, (coughs) daughter, it seems, um, the values of what it is to be human. And so, you know, you're the best person to do that. I I thought that was just a brilliant, brilliant message. And so I thought it didn't just fizzle out. You know, it's still right up until the end, it it still had uh, um, substance to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really positive spin on what is a pretty bleak tail really it's just nice
1: there's a little bits of
0: humor in there as well with the banter between the three of them it's a nice way to to sort of spin it off i think and it's oh, it's, a satisf- what, it's a satisfying there's, ending
1: there's a bit oh what was it um i'm trying to find it now i think i i, I think where bruce was saying about uh lex luther yeah and he was saying oh he he was asking about you and he was winding Superman up basically, and yeah, Clark was like, Oh, really? And he's like, No, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I thought he, that like, was brilliant. He,
0: he sends his wishes, his best wishes. That's up. that's he's it, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? No, no, not yeah. at all. No, I thought he yeah. twice last week trying to trying to hack into the back computer or something like
1: that. <laughs> that was it, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I really yeah. like that,
0: yeah. No, it's nice. He it, does, he's got quite some wry humor in this, actually. Bruce Wayne, who's always been depicted as quite a humorless character really in so many ways but throughout this book he he, you know he does crack a smile quite often and and also has one or two sort of very dry um moments of humor in the book so it's quite quite a a well well done take on the character i think yeah
1: yeah very good yeah
0: Yeah, it is it's a good ending so with uh, that in mind shall we do our final scores
1: let's go
0: Join me each week in the Comics and Motion
1: feed in your favorite podcast catcher.
0: Okay, so we uh, have reached the end of our sort of discussion about Kingdom Come and the, the uh, ups and downs and ins and outs of it. So we're going to give our scores out of five. Um, if you don't mind, Dave, I'll go first and let you have the big finish. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for me, scoring this out of five, it's got to be a five <laughs> all the way without wishing to sound like a sort of fawning fanboy for me this is one of the greatest books it's just a perfectly written it's the as we've discussed at length the way it looks the art is the art is god level god tier level whatever the in phrases now it's perfection um it's a tight story as well it's not a like a 12 issue or Big crossover, pulling a, an issue from this story, an issue from that story. It's a really tightly told story, quite economically written as well. Uh, there's not swathes and swathes of impenetrable dialogue. It's just, just right. Um, the characters are really well realised. Um, I love the futuristic uh, spin on the characters. You see them sort of 10 years after their prime and where life's taken them in some very bleak directions. Um, I think it's quite bold in a lot of the choices it makes. Um, It's, you know, it's written in a sort of adult contemporary way. I just think it's a perfect book and it's one I'll go back to and reread every every so often, probably every six months or every year, I'll pick it up off the shelf and read it again. And like we said earlier, the art is so dense, you'll find little bits in there that you didn't see first time around or even 10th time around. There's that much meat on there to sort of digest i just think it's a perfectly done and has to be one of the all-time greatest comic books for myself so it's a, a whopping five out of five so dave what would you say
1: very good and again you know not to repeat myself but i i i do lean more to the marvel side so last week i gave yep. civil war a, a four and a half out of five stars yep and as i said for me that is that is one of my favorite books for this coming into it with the first time with no real baggage at all other than kind of you know that book that I got shafted for on eBay (laughs) (laughs) I have to say and and we won't go smaller I'm guessing than than half a star you know it's the smallest increment that would go yeah it's got to be five out of five for me yes this is absolutely phenomenal the artwork like I say every single panel I would quite happily hang up on the wall. I think it looks phenomenal. I love the, you know, one of the influences I think I I didn't mention that I thought of was was obviously like something like Watchmen, which again, you know, well, probably in modern comics, probably everything, you know, has has been influenced in some way by Watchmen. But but again, that kind of more cynical take on where superheroes could be. Mm-hmm. But, I like the fact that you 've got these virtuous original heroes you know and uh, you know and and the anti heroes as well, but I think there is so much that i 've probably missed in this book as well, you know, just from going through it once, I can tell that there are so many layers that i 've just missed, and so i 'm quite looking forward to going back and, and rereading this as well I probably won 't do it next yeah. week, um, you know but I definitely you know, within a year, I'm probably going to come back. I'm going to go through this and I'm probably going to pick up on a lot of the subtext that I've missed the first time. But no, this is a, a phenomenal book. And, and you yeah. know, if, you, if you're if you listening and you haven't read it for some reason, you know, don't make the same mistake that I did and, and wait for years before you read this. You know, this, this is just <sighs> phenomenal. Yeah, I can wholeheartedly
0: agree. And I echo that sentiment 100%. If anyone hasn't read it, make it your business, make it your priority for whenever you're next in a position to buy a new book or download a new book or get a new book from the library, make it this. Because I guarantee you'll enjoy it. I've never met anyone who says, oh, I didn't like that much, that was a bit of shit. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Not so far anyway. But it it is, isn't it? It's, it's absolutely brilliant. And I, I defy anyone to say it isn't. Which I think is a great way to and the uh, the show so dave i would like to thank you so much for giving your time and insight yet again to uh the second episode of this mandatory marvel and dc show i'm very grateful to you um if you'd like to tell people where they can get on board with comics in motion where to find it and how to get involved
1: Yep. So obviously, if you're hearing this, you know what Comics in Motion is, you know that we are expanding our show lines. So uh, Chris and I, my co-host, we'll do the movies and TV reviews. So generally, they'll come out on a Sunday. So this show comes out generally on a, on a Tuesday, but any of your podcast catching apps or whatever, you can get us on there. Um, can't quite remember what we're doing next, but it, it'll be out next Sunday. I'm sure it'll be lovely, whatever it is. You can also get, if you wanted to do something a bit different, we do a uh, VHS Strikes Back podcast as well. So, if you, if you, um, anything from that golden era of kind of home video, you know, if you can get it on video, chances are we're going to review it at some point. So, that's a lot of fun as well. Very different to the comic stuff, stuff like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, all those classics. So, uh, yes. a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: absolutely that's one of my absolute favorite things to listen to the V extracts back it's absolutely fantastic um so yeah thank you to everyone who's uh took the time to listen i'd like to thank everybody for taking that time and i hope you'll be able to join me again next time as we look back at another all-time classic so and still until that time stay safe
1: bye now Sleepyhead, why so sleepy? Oh, it's because your mattress is a bag of potatoes and scrap metal. You should try a Nectar mattress. With award-winning layers of comfort, you can sleep easy knowing you got incredible value. Mattresses start at just $499, and you get hundreds of dollars in accessories thrown in, as well as a 365-night home trial and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com.